Good morning. Everybody staying cool? I, uh, whenever we have a heat spell like this, I, I always remember the hottest day in Phoenix. How many of you were around here for the, and survived the hottest day ever? 123, right? 1990, I think. Um, that, for us, uh, that was moving day. And, uh, and uh, Kim was um, pregnant and not feeling well at all. And we were moving out of a house that only had uh, evaporative cooling. So we moved Kim and the couch uh, to our new apartment that had AC, and then we went back for everything else. So that was a that was a day to remember. They shut the airports down. It was, but I think we're we're past the the worst, right? Uh, 111 today. So <laughs> piece of cake, right? Well, how many of you are starting school or are in school this year? Let me just have you stand up. I just want to recognize people who are going to school. We've got one over here. Anybody else? Stand up if you're going to school. All right, we've got a hand raised in the back there. I just uh, want to have everybody give them an encouraging word when you see them um, that uh, they're taking that step to take the next step in their lives and um, just to wish them all a good year this year, education. So, yeah, amen. Thanks, guys. <laughs> uh, let's see. Is my... Okay. All right. That's me. All right. Um, so uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about Mary today. Um, also known as Miram, if I pronounce that correctly. Um, I, I told you a couple of weeks ago that I wanted to focus on uh, some of the, the women characters of the Bible. And I picked Mary, and then when I started really diving into it, I was like, wow, why did I, why did I pick this one? This, uh, it's, she is, um, she's a very complex uh, character in the Bible. There's... There's a lot that we know about her, but there's also a lot, as Joel, Joel pointed out to me this morning, there's a lot that we don't know about her. And um, some of what we don't know about her has, um, has expanded a whole bunch of things, not just in organized religion, but in mythology. And, um, you know, I think a lot of times um, Catholics think that we don't, we don't talk very much about Mary. We don't talk enough about her. And sometimes we think that the Catholics uh, talk way too much about her. And it's probably uh, your view on Mary uh, from the aspect of those uh, two uh, camps is very different. And it's probably one of the more divisive things between, um, uh, I'll call it the, the evangelical movement and, and Catholicism and some of the Eastern Orthodox Anglican Church. So... Um, it's a very, very interesting uh, person to, to look at. Um, I think, uh, like I said, she's often misunderstood and misrepresented, misrepresented as something that she is not. So I wanted to explore a little bit about that. But I also wanted to um, look at, you know, character traits. You know, typically when you're, when you're talking about, um, you know, you're doing a study on someone, whether they're in the Bible or not, you want to know what 
you know, what made them who they were, who they are. So, you know, if you're studying, um, you know, General Patton, you know, uh, you have an image of this tough guy, right? If you're studying, um, you know, Julius Caesar, ruthless, but uh, still a brilliant person. So uh, there is something about Mary um, that is has been people have been very attracted to for a long time. So I want to explore some of those characteristics. And I think one of the things that um, really stood out for me when I was um, researching Mary was the, the amount of trust that she put in God. And that's kind of what I'm going to focus on today as we, as we talk about her story. Uh, I need to go the other way, right? There we go. So why talk about Mary? I, um, you know, it's not Christmas, and it's not even Mother's Day, right? That's, and uh, so that's, that's typically when we, when we talk about Mary, right? We have this image of Mary in, in the manger with the baby and, you know, the, the three kings and, uh, you know, the donkey and, and whatnot. So it's, a very, um, it's been very much stamped into her persona, and particularly in the modern world, um, by the way, I forgot to go to uh, share something with you. That painting there, it's really hard to see, but if you look carefully towards the top, um, this is, uh, from what I read, is the oldest depiction of Mary uh, that, uh, that we know of. So it was uh, painted in about the year 200 A.D. in one of the catacombs underneath the city of Rome. And so this was a place where um, Christians buried uh, the dead, but it was also a place where they could be safe to to create something like this because um, as you know in um, in Roman times, especially for the early church it was not it was not really a cool thing to be uh, a christian it was a it was a very uh, deliberate act of bravery to actually to be a christian and um, so I just thought that was uh, a good place to start, but even at that point in two hundred in the year two hundred People wanted to know about Mary. They, they, she, they knew there was something special about her. Obviously, she is the mother of uh, Jesus Christ. But um, what about beyond that makes Mary um, something that we need to know about? So we're going to kind of skip all the stereotypical stuff about Mary and focus in on, uh, on some other things. I wanted to start by talking a little bit about um, what some of the other views are on Mary and uh, some of this was very interesting. I did not realize it. Um, the Book of Mormon does uh, does talk about Mary, um, but they um, do not believe that um, she was uh, or that Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit. So they believe that God the Father is actually the physical Father of Jesus Christ. They don't really explain how that how that works, but, um, you know, basically there's a rejection there of the Holy Spirit. And so, um, you know, it, if you think about that, uh, it really begins to punch some holes in that, in that, in some of the concept of what they're talking about. Uh, Mary is also very, very present in the Quran. Um, but, uh, according to the Quran, Jesus' birth was commanded by God. It was a commandment, uh, again, not of, not of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and I mentioned the Roman Catholic Lutheran. Uh, there's actually whole theologies about Mary. They call Mariamism. Uh, 
and there's a um, you know there is a huge presence of Mary in uh, in those religions. Um, Mary is often prayed to. Um, she is treated as a deity and um, as someone without sin. So um, I'm uh, if you are of uh, Catholic background or uh you know please i'm not here to attack any any other religion or group but what i am going to talk about is is what we can glean from mary um through what is in the bible even the the buddhists um you know i don't know what her role is in buddhism but she is one that's very admired at least uh through people who uh participate in that religion so um so this is what I'm going to base uh, everything that I'm going to share with you. We actually know quite a bit about Mary. It doesn't look like a lot, but she is uh, written uh, about in all of the, uh, the Gospels and also in uh, Acts as well. And um, we actually know more about Mary than really any other woman in, in the New Testament and uh, possibly the entire Bible. Um, even though those are very short uh, s- snippets of text, um, they are very telling about a lot of things. So um, I'm just going to start by by reading um, about the birth of uh, Jesus being foretold as it's written in Luke. Um, I'm going to read from Luke 1, 26 through 38. And this is the NIV version, I believe. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God you will be the you will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus he will be great and called the son of the most high the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever his kingdom will never end how will this be Mary asked the angel since I'm a virgin the angel answered the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she, and she was said to be barren in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said, then the angel left her. Wow. So when I started trying to picture that event, um, you know, I, I looked up uh, what we know about Gabriel, and Gabriel actually appears uh, three times in the Bible, once in the book of Daniel and uh, once to the father-to-be of John the Baptist and then to Mary. Um, but for some reason, I always picture him as this gigantic presence. It doesn't actually say that. But um, one thing I notice is that 
in each of his visits, uh, there's something about fear not. So it just makes me think that there's this ominous presence that, that comes with Gabriel. Um, you know, and he carries a trumpet, and um, he's basically, uh, for lack of a better term, the royal messenger of God. If, if Gabriel shows up, you know, please sit up and pay attention because uh, it's important. It's really important. And so, uh, you know, uh, from what we know, Mary was probably very young. She could have been as young as 13 or 14. Um, and back then, uh, getting married was really a, almost a contractual event. She had probably had very little, if any, say about who she was going to marry. Um, it was a, um, and it doesn't sound very nice, but basically it was a business transaction between the father of Mary and, um, and Joseph. And um, she would uh, have already been engaged or um, promised to Joseph at this point, but she's probably still living at home. And um, I think uh, from what I read, it would take about a year before she would actually, um, they would actually have the wedding uh, ceremony. But um, so imagine, you know, this 14-year-old girl and, you know, I, I tried to, uh, just because I have a, uh, that's my sense of humor, I tried to manage, manage this, imagine this in a modern setting. So, you know, imagine we've got a 14-year-old girl. She's texting with her friends. She's just found out who her husband's going to be. And so, you know, they're, they're, you know, what is this Joseph guy like? You know, let's, uh, what do you know about him? And they're from the town of Nazareth, which... Um, was very small. I, I read estimates from 100 to 400, somewhere. So everybody knew everybody. I don't know if any of you grew up in a small town. I did. And I could easily be in trouble before I ever got home because somebody had already called my mom and said, hey. Uh, actually, it did happen. So, uh, I, um, so you know, uh, she's, what do 14-year-old girls like to do? They like to talk about uh, boys. They like to... Uh, you know, I don't know. They were kind of mysterious. I remember that when my daughter was that age. You know, I just kind of, we called those the dark years. And then things got better when they got a little bit older. Uh, uh, um, but, you know, uh, here's this 14-year-old girl. And all of a sudden, here comes Gabriel. I don't know if Gabriel, you know, they always picture him as glowing. I don't know if he did that or not. But out of the, out of the blue, he comes and he's having this conversation and conversations with her, it's not like there's a crowd of people standing around listening to what Gabriel is saying to her. This is a one-to-one setting. And um, he says, fear not. You are going to have um, immaculate conception, and your son is going to be the son of God and savior of the world. Hmm, wow, okay. So, um, but you know... Um, I think that Mary was, uh, you know, she came from a, a religious household. Um, she would have known about the stories of the Old Testament. She would have known, um, you know, she would have had a relationship, if you would, with an understanding of God. Um, but think of what some of the consequences were going to be for her. You know, she said, you know, Lord, may it be as you wish, um, as the Lord wishes, um, but she was going to um, start showing, you know, her pregnancy um, before she was married. And 
Can you imagine what that, what that stir, what that might have stirred up in this little village of 400 people? It would have been completely scandalous for for her, and I would think terrifying for her as a as a young girl. Um, so, what are some other things that we do know? Um, like I said, she was visited by by the angel Gabriel. Uh, we know that she goes to visit Elizabeth, and um, it doesn't say this, but you get the impression that it might have been right away. Maybe it was after that uh, talk with um, Gabriel. She felt like, oh boy, I need somebody I can talk to. But we know that she went to um, spend three months with Elizabeth, and uh, Elizabeth, of course, was pregnant with um, John the Baptist. And we know that... um, when Mary announced her presence that the mother of John the Baptist, her, in, her fetus leap, leapt with joy, it said. So um, she knew that this was a big deal. She knew that this was not just, uh, you know, uh, a normal pregnancy or a, a normal son that she was going to give birth to. And so did Elizabeth. And... Um, she, uh, Elizabeth greets her and says, oh, why, what honor do I have to have, uh, you know, you who are blessed among all, above all women come to see me. And so, uh, you know, I imagine uh, that when she was uh, visiting Elizabeth, who, Elizabeth was quite a bit older and wiser and was able to give her some counsel as to how, to, how is she going to approach this. But at some point she had to go back home and face her family um, maybe they already knew she was pregnant. I don't know. I mean, it's a very small uh, world there in that, in that time, um, but maybe not. And so we don't know what happened when she went home. How did her father react? Um, her father could have literally had her stoned to death, uh, you know, uh, but he didn't. And we don't know about that conversation. We don't know who, we don't really know anything about her father. Um, we know that Joseph also uh, could have asked the same. You know, he, he would have been disgraced by, um, you know, having his bride-to-be presented uh, bearing a, a child. Um, but he didn't. And we know that um, through a, ge- a dream, uh, he is told uh, not to divorce her quietly as he intended to do. Um, we know that she sang a song. Um, called Mary's Song. Um, we know that she traveled from Galilee to Bethlehem, where Jesus was born, to Egypt, and then back, uh, probably back to um, Nazareth, which is where her family was from, and um, you know began her life there as a as a young mother. Um, we know that she had additional children. Um, Again, some other uh, religi- religions um, believe that those are only, um, you know, that those children were um, were not really Jesus's uh, relations, or you know, they were not blood relatives to him, um, because they believe that Mary only uh, gave birth to Jesus and um, re- basically remained a, a virgin uh, for her entire life. But I don't think that's true. I don't think that's what the what the Gospels are telling us. Um, and we know that um, 
he did have brothers and um, that one of his brothers became a leader in the church after he died. Um, so we know that Jesus, she knew that Jesus could had power, that he was a very special child. Um, you know, and he performed his first miracle. Um, I was reading something and the, and the, the, t- the title of the article said, why did Jesus choose to perform his first miracle at this wedding where he turned water into wine? And I thought, well, he, d- he really didn't. His mother decided, uh, Mary decided that that's when it was going to happen. And uh, in some of the language that you read, um, he kind of re- rebukes her. And, he, and I think this is a really pivotal point in the relationship between mother and son and son of God who is beginning to partake in this ministry of his. Um, he also, um, you could say that he kind of questions his mother's thinking when he's 12 and he disappears for three days. You know, they, they, they come to the temple for uh, their annual trip uh, for the Passover and you can imagine there's a huge crowd of people on their way back to Galilee. And after three days, they're like, hey, where's Jesus? And of course, he's not there. So it's his mother, not his father, that, you know, that we hear about having a conversation with him. And how would you feel, moms, if your son had been missing for three days and you go back to Jerusalem and he's like, oh, hey, mom, you know, are you going to be, uh, are you going to have some words for him? I'm sure that that Mary did, uh, whether or not, you know, she was um, realized who he was going to become, she did. But at this point in life, she's still mom. She's still in charge. And he says, basically, um, you know, why wouldn't you expect me to be doing it, be in my father's house? And in the scripture, it says that that Mary and Joseph didn't really understand that. But I'm sure that they understood something. And that something was changing about their son. And, um, you know, that that was kind of a, a turning point as well. But when he was um, performing the miracle, um, turning the water into wine, he basically says to his mother, he, he, he refers to her as woman, which is not a derogatory term. But th- it's important that he says woman, I think, and not mother. Because he is sep- at this point, he is separating himself from what he does as the son of God from what he is doing, has done as a son of mother. So he's su- suddenly, this is the pivotal point in his life where his ministry is to begin. And it begins with him turning the water into wine. Um, we know that she went to a town called Kipmarum. Uh, Did I pronounce that right? with her children in, uh, to go find Jesus. And this is the point when Jesus is performing miracles. Um, he is doing wondrous things, but he's also completely radical from the Jewish religion. He's gone completely rogue in, in many of the, of the uh, eyes of his, of his neighbors and family and the people around him, you know. It's like, what on earth is this doing? You know, they, uh, it's, they, they almost imply like they think he's kind of like gone off the deep edge. He's nuts. You know, so she goes to uh, Capernaum to see Jesus and, and have a little talk with him. 
And um, so they show up and uh, Jesus is preaching and he says, um, you know, um, somebody comes and says, Jesus, your mother and uh, family are out here uh, waiting to talk to you. And he says, who is my mother and and brothers? And he said it's the, he pointed to the people around him, the people that were following him. They were his disciples. And so he's basically saying that his family now is is the family of Christ. And um, and so how would you feel, mom, if you showed up and you'd probably feel pretty rejected by that. And, um, you know, she's probably worried about him. He's um, the things that he's doing and saying uh, could cause death. We know that his own village um, rejected him and even some in the village wanted to push him over the, a cliff near uh, the town of Nazareth. So, you know, I, it always goes back to that rule. I, I call it the five-mile rule. Five-mile rule. Um, you're never the expert if you're from five miles or less to the people you're speaking to, right? So when you want to hear the expert, you, you, you know, you get somebody from the big city or whatever who has some real knowledge and real authority. But um, you can imagine the turmoil that this must have been uh, causing in this little village of maybe three, 400 people. Um, and she's probably scared for his life. She realizes that he's really pushing it uh, into a very dangerous situation. She's probably, uh, I'd say not probably, she is the first Christian. She was the first one who knew what her son was going to become. Um, whether she could fully grasp all of that um, at 14, I don't know. But... Uh, so what can we take, what can we take, there's a few things that we can not take away, and I talked a little bit about with this. First of all, she, she is not without sin. She was a human being just like you and I. We know that there's only one person uh, that ever walked the earth that was, was without sin, and that is her son Jesus. And um, we also know that she does not intervene on our behalf. A lot of people pray to Mary and ask her uh, to be an intercedent to God, um, which is really uh, one of the tough things to understand because, uh, you know, our son, uh, the Son of God, Jesus, is the only one uh, who can open the door for us to, to God. That's our only path to follow. And I think that's very clear um, in the Scripture. But there were a lot of other uh, documents and things that were added later on um, that were used to kind of justify that. I think something like uh, 33%, about a third of all Catholic churches are are named after um, Mary. Um, you know, you see candles um, for, or, you know, if you go to a supermarket, um, you, you can see big rows of candles with a picture of the Virgin Mary on it. Um, but I, I think that is is really not part of who she is or who she was supposed to be. What can we learn from Mary? I'm going to go back to the idea that we can learn to trust in the Lord from her life experiences. Go back to that 14-year-old girl who had to make some incredible choices um, she could have run away. She could have 
tried to concoct a story that, you know, um, you know, she, maybe she was raped or something like that by one of the Roman soldiers. You know, you have to remember that they probably saw a lot of brutality in their time. They lived in the time when, when, when there was Roman rule, even in their town. Uh, so they would have seen a lot of the brutality. Um, it probably would not have been uncommon for um, a woman to be uh, abused by, by the Roman uh, guard. It would have probably made a very plausible story if, if that had been the story she had chose to tell. Um, but she chose, she chose the truth, and she chose to follow God. Um, and I think that that is um, probably one of the things that really stood out for me. There's lots of old stories in the Old Testament about following God. Last time we, we uh, last week, Isaiah talked about the fiery furnace. You know, um, stepping into a a furnace that uh, would mean almost certain death. Daniel in the lion's den, and um, you know, I think the story of Noah. Actually, I, I think usually I think of Noah's wife, and she says, "You want to build what?" You know. Uh, <laughs> She had to have some faith in God to stand by Noah, uh, you know, while he was building this gigantic boat. Uh, Jonah and the big fish, um, the first Passover. Mary would be familiar with these stories. And I think, um, I think it's fair to say that, that knowing uh, God's stories had some impact on her and gave, gave her the strength to do what she did. Um, consider a couple of things. Um, you know, put yourself in Mary's place. What would you do if you were presented with the circumstances? Would you would you have the courage uh, to follow God, knowing that it could mean and likely would mean death for you and your son? Is there is there a time in your life that you've given yourself over to God? Maybe, uh, maybe you've hit that point in your life where you said, I, I just need to follow God. I need to turn myself over to him and, and quit trying to do it myself because it's not working. Maybe you need to reaffirm that decision. Um, you know, we, we've got some, some brave examples. Isaiah gave some testimony last week about him listening to God and he's preparing to do something about what God has been speaking to him. I know that um, there are lots of circumstances of, in the lives of people in this room where they've had to make some tough choices, and make, making the choice to follow God may not be the easy, what seems like the easy choice. But you do that um, because of people like Mary who can be such a powerful example uh, to us. Um, what can you do to increase your, your trust in God? I think you have to, to take time to listen. And I know that that's um, sometimes a weak spot for me. I get so busy doing what I think is right or doing what I think God wants me to do without pausing to ask him. You need to make time in your life. You need to make time in your day to have that conversation with God. 
Sometimes it's not a, a, a one-time conversation. Sometimes it's not clear. Sometimes you may be waiting years or a lifetime to hear what it is that God wants you to know. But I do know that his timing is perfect and that God is waiting to tell you if you are willing to stop and listen to him. Are you, are you being a point of light for God um, by living your trust with God, by, by walking in the truth? If you're not, I think people know the difference. People know when you're trying to do it yourself and when you're not listening to what God has. Maybe there's someone in the room here that's seeking salvation and God's been tapping on your shoulder. God's waiting for you. He's ready. He's ready to give you your salvation. He's ready to give you that peace that passes understanding that you can only understand through a relationship with him. Right now, I'd like you to uh, do something with me. I'd like you to close your eyes. And I'd like you to picture first Mary at the foot of the cross. We know that she was there. How many mothers could bear to stand and watch their son being gruesomely tortured. You know, there were many people that were crucified. They knew what was going to happen to Jesus. They knew the terrible suffering that he would endure. How many mothers could, could muster the strength to be at the foot of their son's cross while he was in such agony? But we know that Mary was there. And we know that it says that in John and it says in 1926, when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here's your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home. So, this is important because we know that Jesus, the Son of God, did not forget that he was also the Son of Mary and that Mary was human and that she was suffering terribly and he wanted to make sure that her, her uh, that his mother would be cared for. It's also interesting that it was not his brother that he talked said that too. He, he talked to John. I want you to picture yourself now at the foot of the cross. Maybe you're on a bended knee. Maybe you're, you're standing. Maybe you're, uh, you're, you're looking up at, at Jesus and asking how could, how could he endure this? I want you to remember that he endured that for you, for, for you personally. And I want you to ask yourself, are you following him? Are you submitting yourself to him like Mary did? Have you opened up your heart to what God wants you to do? And are you 
going to walk the walk. We know that Mary did. We know that Mary chose to be part of the early church, as it tells us in um, Acts. We know that her job as mother of Christ was not done. Her work was not done even after his death. It would have been easy for her to turn away, to go back to her life in Galilee, um, to try and pick up the pieces. Um, But she chose to go on and to follow Christ. Heavenly Father, I just uh, I just uh, give thanks to you this morning, Lord, that uh, that we can be at the foot of your cross, Lord, and know that you died for our sins. Lord, to know that you loved us with an unequivocal love, Lord, with a love that um, no one else can have. Lord, that you, you bore the terrible burden of our sins. Lord, that you that you suffered, that we might know God. And we give thanks, Lord, um, for the sacrifice you made. Lord, we give thanks that you gave Jesus a mother like Mary. You knew what you were doing, Lord, when you, when you chose that 14-year-old girl, that young girl. You knew that she was the one for the job, Lord, that she had it in her to follow you and to follow your word. Lord, we give thanks that we can remember Mary as a simple woman married to a carpenter who was human, Lord, who suffered poverty, disease, hardship, ridicule. Yet she endured all of that because she knew her son was the light to the world. We give thanks and praise to you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.